village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the ground. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessing on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. So before we join the procession of the palms, I want you to make sure you've got your palm handy or a branch from your yard or something from your house or cut off that fern's branch. It'll be okay. <laughs> and whatever it is, I want you to grab it and get ready to be able to uh, wave it. Kids, uh, even adults, I want you to march around, stand in place. I want you to lift your palm high and I want you to be a part of the procession of the palms as we gather together. So get your palms ready to go. And we're going to sing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. And we're going to bring in the palms. Sunday cannot be stopped. If we did not worship, the rocks themselves would cry out. So now let us join together in our call to worship, and Hannah's going to be saying what she says, and you're going to say, Hosanna in the highest. Go ahead and try it at home. Hosanna in the highest. Here we go, Hannah. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You did a wonderful job at home. We all heard you here saying it together. 
And so join with us on the screen from Psalm 118, 21 through 29. You may not have put that up there. Okay. That is wonderful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we gather in this place. Almighty God, on this day, your son, Jesus Christ, entered the holy city of Jerusalem and was proclaimed king by those who spread their garments in palm branches along his way. Let those branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our Lord and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen. Let us sing glory, laud, and honor. to a time of offering in our service, we think about things like prayers. It's important in these days to take care of each other. Take some time, lift your prayer requests up now, and we'll be able to see them on Facebook in a minute or so when they start coming through. It's about a minute or so behind. Keep reaching out to the elderly and those with compromised immune systems and special needs. Make sure the most vulnerable in your life and around you are receiving the care that they need. Make sure people continue to know they're not alone. Text or better yet, pick up the phone. Let folks hear your voice. Send notes of love and encouragement to brighten up their days. 
Hopefully, I know you are receiving those notes from us as a congregation. Find ways to keep loving people well. Think face first. If they can be able to see your face, it means so much. Online, in, on, our, in our website, in the worship section, you'll find the worship bulletin part for the prayer list. And it's right there where you can see all those on our prayer list and the updates that we know of. And I want you to encourage you to share your praises and prayers requests on that page or also in the YouTube or Facebook comments. You can text them to me. We will get to see those things here in a minute as they come through. Some things we do know, Anita Durham is in the hospital with lung trouble. She always has lung trouble in a lot of ways. Um, It's not COVID-19, but please pray for her. She is certainly susceptible. Ken Henshaw has been in Vanderbilt, not exactly sure what's going on. Steve Seaton moving back to, has moved back to the Gallatin Center. Jennifer Hawk, Richard Taylor going through cancer treatments. Cassie Davenport and Jesse and Alder are in the final weeks of the pregnancy. And just for all of our faithful adults, many who are watching right now, we are praying for you. You're usually active in so many ways. I know it's really hard for you right now to not be able to do all the things that you want to do or be able to serve all the people you want to serve. And so we are praying for you, as especially this is something that's changed your lifestyle in many, many different ways. If you are high risk for COVID-19, let us know if you need food, medication, supplies. Just let us know. We have folks waiting who be willing to do things if they know what it is that needs to be done. So please be thinking about that. If you need spiritual or emotional support during this time, contact myself or Pastor Louise or Pastor Rick. And right now during worship, our phone lines have been open and continue to be open uh, all morning to prayer requests or talking with you or just being able to hear a voice. And we'd love to be able to share a prayer request with you or pray for you during this time. Rick, have you gotten anything that's come through during these moments? Well, we encourage you to keep, uh, keep posting those, and we'll go back and look at them and be able to add people uh, during the course of things. Our presence, we're thankful for those of you who have chosen us to worship with us today. And uh, so we have some pictures of people that we might be able to show and see some of the folks who've joined us over the last week and sharing their pictures. We've added them to our virtual community right here. You received a text this morning to share your presence with us. Go ahead and just respond back hi to that. And uh, so uh, let us know you're watching, and you can do it right now. You've got the text, and just go ahead and do it right now. I just see Carolyn and Tom are watching right now, and uh, there's some other folks that are coming through, uh, my remind, and uh, are watching. Part of my remind doesn't come up. Harriet and the Steps and the Duffies and Nancy and the Garretts and the Woodruffs and Vicky and the Coxes, and so lots of folks have been watching, and... Uh, uh, just keep sending us those, those uh, things and liking on comment or on Facebook or love it. We record all that. Watch it on the website or YouTube. Go to the comment section. Scroll to the bottom and catch those two and see who's watching us. And we just like being able to see it. It's neat. It's kind of a virtual community gathering together. Someone just texted me right now, sounds like, um, through my uh, phone here. Ah. And uh, so, financially, we're called to give to God as God's given to us, and abundantly so. And uh, as we do in our live worship services here on Good Shepherd's campus, we also now come to the special time in this online worship to encourage and receive our regular tithes, our offerings, our special gifts from our members and attenders. We also offer our online guests the same opportunity in which you can give towards the work of Good Shepherd. 
but your presence is a gift to us already. And if you are from another church, please, 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 don't give to us. Please give to them. They need your support right now during this time. And there are a number of methods you can do to do this. Online giving is so easy on our website. You can go and do that. And I, so I invite you to whatever way that you give, I invite you to be able to, um, to give out, uh, to give on that. Sorry. When you get 400 texts at the same time, it's kind of discombobulating. I invite you to use whatever you do. Write a check right now during offering. Put cash in an envelope. Go online. Whatever it is, go ahead and just go ahead and do it now. You don't forget that way. Plus, it's an act of worship, and we do it together. So if you go to the Connect app or whatever, however you're doing it, go right to it and just uh, do it right now while we're gathered together in this way. You can do it text giving, automatic bank draft, mail a check to the church, Come by between 9 and 3 for contactless delivery uh, when the office is open. Serving, ministry is happening all the time. We're still trying to figure out the ways to do that uh, in the days to come. And then the witness of, of the fact is the church doors may be closed, but the church is not closed. It's time for us to show the church had never been about a building in the first place. It's about the people who gather together. So find ways to be the church in the days to come. And I encourage you to give the things from your heads and from your hearts and from your hands this morning as we receive this offering for wherever we are gathered together today. so thankful for the gift that even when we can't gather together, you are there among us. Lord, help us to connect with the presence of your Holy Spirit wherever we might be, knowing we are never alone. You promised the advocate, the comforter, will be with us until the end of the age and beyond. And so, Lord, as we come here this morning, we ask you help us to grow, to know your presence in deeper ways that we would spend this holy week going deeper into what it really means to walk in your steps. And so, Lord, we also want to be able to know how to serve you and our neighbors. 
and want to go and spread the good news of the gospel that during this time you are not silent. That there is hope and peace and love and joy. There is great news. So Lord, help us to spread that. So Lord, now use our prayers, our presence, our financial gifts, our service and our witness and all of these things for your ministry and for your mission. In Jesus Christ's name, we bring them and give them and we share them. And the people of God said together, Amen. And so at this time, usually we would have our children's time. And the children are going to do some amazing things this week. We have our um, Holy Week experience bags put together by Stephanie with a Bendy Jesus. All the kids have one of these. I've got one too. I'm looking forward to Bendy Jesus. And uh, you can also, adults, you can follow along with the lessons, even though you don't have Bendy Jesus, but you can follow along with the link I sent last night in my email and be able to see what the kids are doing. Very thankful for Stephanie for spending so much time to do this and getting these bags together for everyone to pick up after they were sanitized, of course, and also a few deliveries out there with some contacts to delivery. So I think all our kids just about have their bags, so that's amazing. Thank you, parents, for doing that uh, this morning. And then also the youth have been talking on Zoom calls, Sunday school class today. I keep walking out and hearing the Zoom call going on. And then Wednesday nights is happening, small groups on Tuesday nights, and just amazing opportunities to stay in connection. So thank you both to Jared and Stephanie and to parents for making those connections happen. And so in our service, it is different today. And so we talk about palms turning into passion It isn't just Palm Sunday, but it's also about Holy Week and where we're going as the palms turn into crosses, as hosannas turn into crucify during the end of the week. And so we want to make that shift as we begin to talk about what it means about Jesus' passion. Pastor Rick will begin us as the palms turn into passion. Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9. The Lord gave me an educated tongue to know how to respond to the weary with a word that will awaken them in the morning. God awakens my ear in the morning to listen as educated people do. The Lord God opened my ear. I didn't rebel. I didn't turn back. Instead, I gave my body to the attackers and my cheeks to beard pluckers. I didn't hide my face from insults and spitting. The Lord God will help me, therefore I have been insulated. Therefore I set my face like flint and now and knew I wouldn't be ashamed. The one who will declare me innocent is near. Who will argue with me? Let's stand up together. Who will bring judgment against me? Let him approach me. Look, the Lord God will help me. Who will condemn me? Hear these words. From Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Christ Jesus Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And now let us proclaim the passion story. We begin with the Last Supper from Luke 22, 14 through 23. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it until it's fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, This cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. But look, my betrayer is with me. His hand is on this table. The human one goes just as it has been determined. But how terrible it is for the person who betrays him. They begin to argue among themselves about which of them it could possibly be who would do this. Continue in Luke 22:31-34 with the Garden of Gethsemane and the rest. Simon, Simon, look! Satan has asserted the right to sift you all like wheat. However, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. When you have returned, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Peter responded, "Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death." Jesus replied. I tell you, Peter, the rooster won't crow today before you have denied three times that you know me. Jesus left and made his way to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived, he said to them, Pray that you won't give in to temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, Take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. Then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. When he got up from praying, he went to the disciples. He found them asleep, overcome by grief. He said to them, Why are you sleeping? 
Get up and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd appeared, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the human one with a kiss? When those around him recognized what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we fight with our swords? One of them struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus responded, Stop! No more of this. He touched the slave's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come to get him, Have you come with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a thief? Day after day I was with you in the temple, but you didn't arrest me. But this is your time when darkness rules. After they arrested Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the high priest's house. Peter followed from a distance. When they lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant woman saw him sitting in the firelight, and she stared at him and said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. An hour or so later, someone else insisted, This man must also have been with him because he is a Galilean too. Peter responded, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that very moment, while he was still speaking, A rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter straight on. And Peter remembered the Lord's words. Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and cried uncontrollably.
Jesus in custody taunted him while they beat him. They blindfolded him and asked him repeatedly, Prophecy! Who hit you? And insulting him, they said many other horrible things against him. As morning came, the elders of the people, both chief priests and legal experts, came together and Jesus was brought before their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. He answered, If I tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask you a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the human one will be seated on the right side of the power of God. And they all said, Are you God's son then? And he replied, You say that I am. Then they said, Why do we need any further testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. And the whole assembly got up and led Jesus to Pilate and began to accuse him. And they said, We have found this man misleading our people, opposing the payment of taxes to Caesar, and claiming that he is the Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, That's what you say. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no legal basis for charges and actions against this man. But they objected strenuously, saying, He agitates the people with his teaching throughout Judea, starting from Galilee all the way here. Hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was from Herod's district, Pilate sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus, for he had heard about Jesus and wanted to see him for quite some time. He was hoping to see Jesus perform some sign. Herod questioned Jesus at length, but Jesus didn't respond to him. The chief priests and the legal experts were there, fiercely accusing Jesus. Herod and his soldiers treated Jesus with contempt. Herod mocked him by dressing Jesus in elegant clothes and sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate and Herod became friends with each other that day. Before this, they had been enemies. Then Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You have brought this man before me as one who is misleading the people. I have questioned him in your presence and found nothing in this man's conduct that suggests or provides a legal basis for the charges you have brought against him. Neither did Herod, because Herod returned him to us. He's done nothing that deserves death. Therefore, I will have him whipped and I will let him go. But with one voice they shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison because of a riot that occurred in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them again because he wanted to release Jesus. And they kept shouting out, 
Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? I found no legal basis for the death penalty in this case. Therefore, I will have him whipped and I will let him go. But they were adamant, shouting their demand that Jesus be crucified. And their voices won out. Pilate issued his decision to grant their request. He released the one they asked for, who had been thrown into prison because of a riot and murder. But he handed Jesus over to their will. Crucifixion, Luke 23, 26 through 46. As they led Jesus away, they grabbed Simon, a man from Serene, who was coming in from the court side. They put the cross on his back and made him carry it behind Jesus. A huge crowd of people followed Jesus, including a woman and other women who were mourning and wailing for him. Jesus turned to the women and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't cry for me. Rather, cry for yourselves and your children. The time will come when they will say, Happy are those who are unable to become pregnant, the wombs that never gave birth, and the breasts that never nursed a child. Then they will say to the mountains, fall upon us, and the hills cover us. If they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? They also led two other criminals to be executed with Jesus. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing his clothes. The people were standing around watching. 
But the leaders sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he really is the Christ sent from God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came up on him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you really, if you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above his head was a notice, a formal charge against him. It read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging next to Jesus insulted him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Responding, the other criminal spoke harshly to him. Do you not fear God, seeing that you've also been sentenced to die? We are rightly condemned, for we are receiving the appropriate sentence for what we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness covered the whole earth until about three o'clock. While the sun stopped shining, the curtain in the sanctuary tore down the middle. Crying out in a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I entrust my life. After he said this, he breathed the last time.
Luke 23, 47-56, Jesus' burial. When the centurion saw what happened, he praised God, saying, It's really true, this man was righteous. All the crowds who had come together to see this event returned to their homes, beating their chests after seeing what had happened. And everyone who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance observing these things. Now there was a man named Joseph who was a member of the council. He was a good and righteous man. He hadn't agreed with the plan and actions of the council. He was from the Jewish city of Arimathea and eagerly anticipated God's kingdom. This man went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Taking it down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid it in a tomb carved out of the rock in which no one had ever been buried. It was the preparation day for the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was quickly approaching. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph. They saw the tomb and how Jesus' body was laid in it. Then they went away and prepared fragrant spices and perfumed oils. They rested on the Sabbath in keeping with the commandment. continue on with our thoughts and time with Max Licato and his book, um, Jesus, the God Who Knows Our Name, a few words about what Jesus means as the Lamb of God in our lives during this holy week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and center ourselves this morning as we hear his words to us. Gracious God, thank you for these words. May they be acceptable and pleasing to you. Challenge us, convict us, and guide us during this week to understand better your cross and your sacrifice. I ask on behalf of all of us gathered everywhere in our houses, pour your spirit onto all of us now. The people of God said together, Amen. You can turn to YouVersion Bible event to follow along. Click on the link on our website. and You can search for it there as well. And I encourage you, all the sermon notes are there. On this very different Palm Passion Sunday, as we begin Holy Week, you might think that we would begin at the center of the Passion, which is the cross. But that's not where Max wants to lead us today. Today he says, to understand holy love, you have to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. To understand holy love, you have to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because where the cross is, Because the cross is where we see Jesus take on the sins of the world as God. But the garden is where we feel the hurt of his humanity. 
and the weight of the journey ahead that is making him weary. Starting in Matthew 26, verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. As I was teaching on Wednesday night in our virtual Google Meet class, we have never seen Jesus' humanity like we do in the garden right now. We've never heard him say words like, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. We've never heard him plead for his friends to be present with him. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. What is Christ fearing? A cup of suffering. In the biblical understanding, a cup is more than something that you drink from. Cup is used many times in the Hebrew Bible as a symbol for God's anger and judgment and punishment. For example, in Isaiah 51:22, we hear these words, See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger, and then a little further on, the goblet of my wrath. The cup often equals God's wrath. Specifically, God's anger towards rebellion. We've ignored God's word. We've violated God's standard. We have dismissed God, and God is angry. And honestly, we don't like thinking that God can be angry about anything. When someone doesn't do something right or makes a mistake, most of us want to forgive them right away. I mean, everyone messes up now and then, right? And we usually use that bit of scripture we know, things like, you without sin cast the first stone. And that seems to be our answer as a focus on forgiveness, but without repentance. Everyone except God, that is. God is holy, and God cannot be anything but holy, so God can't just turn around and pretend that God doesn't see our rebellion. God feels the same way toward our sin that many of us would feel, for instance, if as someone did at Max's church, they came in and vandalized and violated Good Shepherd. Someone actually broke into my car uh, just yesterday or the day before. I forget now. I think it was yesterday. Just rifled through everything. I don't lock my car. Nothing valuable is in it. The window's more important than the actual car. But how do you feel when something like that happens to you? They broke in his sanctuary at, at that church. They didn't steal or take anything. Their intent was not to rob, but to deface. And they woke wrote profanity on the walls of the baptistry and they left their mark on the towels there and I won't tell you what their mark was. And our reaction will be the same as theirs. Disgust, anger, disbelief. Do they not know these are places that are holy and sacred? But Max says, how often has heaven asked the same question about us? Are not our bodies holy? Do you not hear in 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? 
Our tongues, our hands, our brains, our dwelling places and tools of God. So when I use my tongue to hurt, my hands to injure, my mind for my own glory and not God's, am I not vandalizing God's holy temple? When I don't care about as much about spending as much time as I can during these days to increase my faith and knowledge and love of God than I do in fear and anxiety and in time with precautions. Am I not vandalizing that temple? And what does it say that if I spend more time on Zoom calls and watching Netflix and Disney Plus and even exercising my body more than ever before, although I'm not doing that, but don't pray any more than I did before. Don't read my Bible any more than I did before. Do a devotional or figure out how to be in groups of community virtually like I would do in person every week in some way. Or delve deeply into what Lent means than I did before. What does that say about our faith, really, versus our acts of religion? Is our faith something we do only when it's concrete and it's convenient? Or is our faith what we are, no matter where we are? Do we really have to be in this building to be the body of Christ? And are we more in our hearts like those who would vandalize a church on the outside than we want to admit? But we do it by our lack of holiness on the inside. Jesus said, whitewashed tombs. And so God had to figure out a way to balance because God is holy, but God is also love. And as Max puts it, holy love finds a way to punish the sin and love the scoundrel. Holy love finds a way to punish the sin and love the scoundrel. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus chose to do just that. There he is on his knees among the trees, looking into the face of the one who is looking straight into heaven's heart for you and me. Look into that face. And he's being handed a cup that bears our name. If he chooses to drink it, then God will do to him what God should do to you and me. If he drinks it, he will become our substitute. That is why he doesn't want to drink the cup. That's why he's literally sweating drops of blood and actual medical condition that can happen under undue stress beyond all measure. But we see again in verse after verse that Jesus is willing to drink the cup. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. And Max says that often in the Scriptures, the New Testament writers use the Greek word hyper which means in place of or on behalf of. For example, 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for hyper our sins. Galatians 1.3-4, Christ, and then later on, gave himself for hyper our sins. Jesus himself prophesied 
The good shepherd lays down his life for hyper the sheep. You get it? Hyper means in place of, on behalf of. And there's no more important place that hyper is used than what we're going to experience this week on Thursday night in the upper room as we still have our Monday Thursday service, although it'll be online, and we will still have a virtual walk through the stations of the cross in the last moments of Jesus' life. So make sure you join us at 6.30 that night. And in the upper room, when Jesus took the bread, he said, this body given for hyper you, in Luke twenty-two nineteen. And they took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for hyper you. You get it? It's a big, important word in the scripture, this word hyper. And on Good Friday there on the cross, Christ will do more than give us the greatest gift. He will take up that cup and the Christ will take our place. And though he did nothing wrong, he will be treated as if he did. And we will feel the injustice of his arrest and of his trial before the Sanhedrin and his appearances before Herod and Pilate and his scourging of 39 lashes within within an inch of his life, literally. Because 40 lashes was known to kill although he committed no crime. And he never said a mumbling word to quote a holy weak hymn. That is the sort of thing that holy love does. Max says, if heaven were only holy and not love, we would be hopeless because of sin. If heaven were only love and not holy, the world would be in chaos for a lack of good. But since heaven is equally loved, loving and holy, God himself saves us from himself. So as we waved our palms this morning, let us wave them this week to thank God for being the one who saves. Literally what Hosanna is asking for. Let's thank God with praise this week. Let's thank God with hearts devoted each day to the week ahead. Let's thank God with worship in finding our way of walking the Via Della Rosa, the way of sorrow and suffering with him. And then Max leaves us with this. Jesus didn't have to take the cup, but he did. And since he did, you and I never will. Let us join with him this holy week and walk in the steps of our Savior. Spend some time on this journey of sacrifice gathered together. And every day during Holy Week at noon, we will walk through what each one of those days might look like and what they do look like. Do you know what happened on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Jesus' life? We'll be exploring that as well as Thursday and Friday. I hope you will join us. And so receive this invitation as we gather together. At the heart of Palm Sunday is Jesus' desire to bring peace into our lives and be willing to carry whatever burden in life they're weighing us down. But the only way that Jesus can complete his desire is for us to allow him to march in and take over without having to figure it us, fight us all along the way. Have you ever told God you can march over there, but don't come this way because I'm not ready to surrender? Wherever Jesus is not fully welcome in our lives is where the real battle is taking place for our attitudes. 
We're doing all kinds of things, hoping to find some peace. But God is saying, until you get your attitude together right here, you'll never have the peace you seek. May you find that peace today in some way as you seek Jesus. And at 11 o'clock, we usually only have communion once a month, and so today would be that once a month. We will not have communion as such we celebrate here when we gather together because I will be saving that until the time comes when we can all gather in one place and break that bread physically together. And although there are ways to do virtual communion, we're not going to do that. However, if you were able to stop by this week and be able to pick up the little cups with juice and and wafer in them, those are 100% blessed. I blessed all of those. So it is communion for you, though I will not be saying the words of what that all entails for us. They are blessed. But we are going to be doing what we've been doing at first service every week, which is called the Comfort Food Feast by Marsha McPhee. It's a way to be able to still share in the idea of gathering together around the table without physically being present. So I invite Pastor Rick to come forward as we will lead you in this liturgy together. At the same time, what I want you to do, if you haven't done this before, is I want you to go get a fresh cup of coffee. I want you to go gather something to eat. You can use those little cups. You can use bread and juice. You can use whatever it is that brings you comfort during this time and set it before you to have it for this meal we're about to gather and do together. So spend a moment gathering those things up as I begin with this liturgy and as we gather together. When we break bread together as a church in our worship, we remember that Jesus invited folks to his table as part of his ministry, not just the Last Supper. So we wanted to create a way for all of us to break bread together with whatever we have at our homes. Indeed, what we've asked you to do is prepare your favorite comfort food, get it ready to go, or bread, or juice, or whatever it might be. And so I invite you to share with the group gathered online what food you are bringing to the table for the virtual feast. Put that in the Facebook comment section or be able to send it out, let folks know on your Facebook page or just share it in some other way. And as we do that, as we gather those things, take a picture perhaps of that favorite comfort food and you enjoying it. Jesus used the parable of the great banquet to which all people are invited in order to take, excuse me, to talk about the kingdom of God, the family of God, what it looks like. He said, go to the highways and the back alleys and urge people to come in so that, into my house so that all will be filled. He often invited the most unlikely guests to his mealtimes, confounding the disciples. In this way, he was encouraging a deep love and connection beyond social norms. He knew that we humans need connection and inclusion. Jesus comforts us saying, you have a place at the table And Jesus challenges us to make sure we are doing the same, that all people know they are welcome in our hearts, in our homes, and in our churches, 
even if we can't physically be with each other right now. It is difficult in this moment not to be near some of the people we love might be worried about. Take a moment to say out loud or in the chat or comments the names, people you wish were right there next to you at your table today. I will lift Peggy Nelson up, who I was able to see and bring palm, palms to and some communion ten feet away, but it was nice to see her face. There were others who came by and picked up palms during this week, and it was great to see their faces too from a distance at least. I invite you now to, at home, speak out the names you want, to put comments down that you'd like to be able to share, and to bring all of those as we gather in this place too. We also call to mind the people we cannot name, whose names we do not know, but we know they need our prayers and God's comfort. For those who have lost loved ones, for those who are sick and recovering, for those who are caring for loved ones who are sick at home, for those who are caring for persons in medical care, for those who are separated from loved ones, for those who are feeling alone and isolated, for those who are helping and are so very tired, for those who are struggling to find friends, food, and comfort. For those who are afraid. And there may be others that you can think of. We remember them as well. I invite you to take a deep breath on behalf of all those we do not know and cannot call by name. As we do so, we know that God knows who needs our prayers and the Spirit the breath of God is blowing from within us outward as a spirit of compassion and presence. So I'd invite you to pause for a moment and just take in a breath and let it out. Again, a deep breath in. Out. One third time, take in a breath of the Spirit. And out. Jesus is no longer physically on earth, yet every time we gather around a table, we call him to mind. He is present with us in spirit. And so too, our loved ones are with us and all those who are in need of prayer. Blessings at the table are part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. Indeed, Jesus adapted his Jewish ritual blessings spoken before and after meals. He asked us to remember him whenever we break bread and raise a cup in thanksgiving. And so we bring some bread and a cup this morning to be able to be gathered in a time of thanksgiving. 
This is why we call our communion prayers the Great Thanksgiving. In this feast of love and comfort, we can call to mind things for which we are deeply grateful. I invite you to speak aloud a couple of things you are grateful for in this moment, or to put those in the comment section of things that you are grateful for, people or whatever it might be. So I invite you to raise a plate and a glass of something with me. And let us bless it in this way, repeating after Pastor Rick there at home. Holy Comforter. Holy Comforter. We gather in your name. We gather in your name. Invited by Jesus. Invited by Jesus. Bound together with your spirit. Bound together with your spirit. In union with each other. In union with each other. Feed our bodies and our spirits. Feed our bodies and our spirits. With your comforting presence. With your comforting presence. So that we might be your comfort to others. So that we might be your comfort to others. Bless this food. Bless this food. And break open our hearts. And break open our hearts. Bless this drink. Bless this drink. And pour out your love. And pour out your love. Amen. Amen. So as you pass and fill your plates, get ready to continue eating your comfort food once we've signed off. I invite you to imagine what extravagant love looks like as you reach across the social distance to loved ones and strangers, to friends and even acquaintances. And now may you shelter not only in place, but in peace. And may the peace and comfort of Christ be present with you now and forevermore. Amen.
one of the scariest questions in the Palm Sunday story. How will I respond when Jesus comes riding humbly into my life? Will I recognize the time of God's coming to me? Will I recognize and welcome God's personal visit? Are you ready to walk in Jesus' steps during the last week of his life? A lot can happen in seven days. A lot. Amen. Let's join together in Jesus Remember Me. We'll be singing it several times. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. <laughs>